Hey, Desperate Housewives super fans. Happy Halloween. Happy, happy Halloween. Summer's in LA. She's actually sitting in my apartment right now, and we've been trying for the last two hours to figure out how to record together. We've done it twice before, by the way. Nothing was working, so I am from an undisclosed location, my friend's apartment. This is We Know What You Did. It makes us sick. We're <laughs> going to Christy Gomez. I'm Summer Moran. It is Halloween when this episode comes out. So we've done all the great, crazy <gasps> Oh, you know what? I wish we had dressed up for this episode. And we've been to Disneyland. Right. <gasps> we should have. How did we do in Disneyland? Okay. What was that like? There's so many things we could have done. What was your moment of desperation this week? Well, Christy, you and I went to my very first Halloween Horror Nights over at Universal. And I had a blast, but I will say the haunted houses are not really my thing. So I think my moments of desperation from throughout that night were like holding really tight onto Liz's arm so hard that I was probably cutting off a little circulation and only opening my eyes every few seconds and seeing like the fake blood on the floor or seeing Vecna pop out something to that effect. So it was just an overall uh, little bit of a desperate night. And and perhaps the most desperate moment of all was when I pulled over to the side in like the main square of where all the action happens and all the creatures are running around to just like fix my bag. And there was a lovely little family sitting trying mm -hmm. to have dinner or a snack. And I thought I would be safe going over by them. And then a man with a chainsaw came up and looked at me and I was like, oh, no, no, like, I, I'm not, I'm not good alone. And my friends are somewhere over there. I have to find them. And I thought he would listen to reason because he turned around. And then as soon as I started walking towards you guys, because I spotted you, he ran after me with his chainsaw at full blast. I'm just not over you saying um, mazes aren't your thing when you said you literally want to go back and go on more mazes. Yeah, because I want to go on the classic monsters. I didn't get to see Frankenstein. I didn't get to see the Invisible Man. I didn't get to see the Phantasm. I didn't get to see Dracula. And, like, those are the ones that really speak to my soul. Yeah, we should have gone. Well, we'll go next year. It's, it'll be there next year, too. Okay, see you then. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What was your moment of desperation besides trying to get this podcast to work? Oh, yeah, guys. We had a huge – we had a lot of problems today. I think it's the eclipse. Other than me um, having the spins last night when I got home and army crawling to my bed, I, yeah, that was crazy, you guys. I went out. This wasn't really my full moment of desperation, but maybe it should have been. Um, I just went out with our friends, Hannah and Liz. We just got a couple drinks. I had two and, like, a fifth. I got home and I had the spins. I'm fine today, but, like, I army crawled to my bed. Like, I was planking because I'm a fitness queen. I was planking and I army full, like, one, two, three, to to wash my face and go to bed. Like I was not doing well. Can confirm. I watched you do it. 
But I think the biggest thing was we went to the Haunted Hayride and in Griffith Park. And we we didn't buy parking, so we had the zoo parking, whatever, because it's free. And they took us up in this, this beautiful bus. We took this gorgeous, gorgeous um, shuttle bus with, like, tables and everything. Moments after um, I missed my turn in Griffith Park. It's pitch black, and I almost went the wrong way on the freeway. So I'm going to have to call Governor Cuomo. Um, <laughs> I was about to say Cuomo. Governor Newsom about this because I think Griffith Park needs to be a little bit better well yes. lit. It shouldn't be that easy to accidentally drive the wrong way on the freeway by taking a wrong turn. That's horrible. But anyway, so we get on this gorgeous bus. We're having an amazing time. We have a great time at the hayride, and then we're trying to get home. So we get on. There's two buses. There's the big, big, nice bus. And then in front of it was a short bus, as they say. And <laughs> and nobody told. <laughs> and we they just said, yeah, get on the buses. They didn't, we didn't direct us. We get on the bus. We're sitting. And uh, it comes to a stop. Some people get off. And we're like, oh, I guess more stops on the way down. We get to another stop. And we know it wasn't the zoo parking lot. And everybody else gets off. And as a joke, I just go, anybody else going to the zoo? And this girl goes, oh, you're on the wrong bus. So it's five of us just giggling, giggling, giggling. And the driver turns around and goes, you're taking an Uber from here. Girls. <laughs> Girls. 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 <laughs> so we were like, no, we're not. Doing we didn't that. say that. And then we were all like, giggle, 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 giggle. <laughs> we just said, what? And then he went on his radio and he said, I have some passengers who got on the wrong bus. <laughs> and there was a sign on that bus that says, that said two zoos parking. That's what I'm saying. So that was crazy of them to say it was our fault. Yeah, that really bothered me. But then he was very nice and It was in the there. window. The yeah. sign said LA Zoo Parking. But then he ended up taking us and he was like, I would love to help out some beautiful girls. And he, it wasn't creepy. It was like nice girls. Yes, very sweet. Should we finally get into this episode? Let's get into the episode that we just watched together. So this is episode 14, and it's called Love is in the Air. I love that the Valentine's Day episode was um, was episode 14. Yeah, that's kind of sweet. I didn't notice that. That's nice. And also, I'm pretty sure last week, um, Julie and Zach were at her spring formal, so I'm also a little confused. Julie! <laughs> Her spring formal. Because that's simply winter time. So we start with the Lynette montage. The opening shot is her baby, Penny. I wrote, ew, because that is a jump scare. I do think this episode was apt for Halloween time because that scared me quite a bit. I thought it was cute. I, it was I feel like I'm baby. losing you to like the, the ones that like children. Then it's just like her kids giving her a bunch of gifts and she hates all of them and then they give her a pot and she's like wow this is so nice but it turns out they stole it from mrs mccluskey so mrs mccluskey takes back what is rightfully hers and obviously lynette's flipping out because she's like what are you doing my kids made me that flower pot she's she's really just shocked that lynette thinks that her children are capable of doing something <laughs> so artistic yeah, and also this is the first time we meet Mrs. McCluskey, and it's like, Lynette, stop bullying this old yeah. woman. She literally calls her evil and old. There, That's the one thing about Mrs. McCluskey is that she was minding her own business this whole time. 
Yeah. Also, it's Valentine's Day, as we said. And um, all the amazing men, even Rex, remembered. And Tom forgot. So. Yeah. But then we never speak of Tom forgetting Valentine's Day ever again. I think I wrote that I hate Tom. Oh, yeah. I just said I get the hate. Because out of all of the husbands, he should be the one who remembers Valentine's Day. He doesn't do anything for Lynette, Lynette throughout the year. This is the one day that he should remember is for her. Yeah, but I don't know. I think other than that, I think he was pretty well-rounded this episode. I guess. Um, so then Susan is gossiping with the girls and telling them about Zach murdering his sister. And she goes, he's seriously disturbed. And then Gabby goes, I feel really bad for Paul. I was like, thank you. Thank you. I saw your reaction to that in real time. I was so It was sweet how you were. I was like, that's why I'm a Gabby son, Gabby rising. (laughs) Yeah, you were excited to see Paul get a little sympathy from one of the ladies. But Susan still thinks that something isn't right with him. She's still suspicious. Yeah, their moment's over, I guess. In another (laughs) life. (laughs) Listen, Um, we're going to start making Susan and Paul edits to post on the TikTok. Oh, my God. We should make like a Susan and Paul playlist. (gasps) Wait. I'm going to make, I'm going to make playlists for all the couples. They're also like kind of putting on their thinking caps and they're like, okay, but why did Mary Alice never bring Dana up? There was no pictures of her. We still don't understand why they called Miss Mary Alice, why she called herself Angela. Like there's a lot of unanswered questions that they're starting to bring up. I'm so glad and they're bringing like, no. back these questions that were yeah. posited so early on that we just have not addressed in several episodes. Yeah. Well, they had to space it out because we have 22 episodes to get through. Right. I always forget. And then we get to, they are at Paul Young's house and he's just hanging out. Uh, And then Felicia comes over and she goes, hi, Paul. I have a basket here. It was delivered to me by accident. Who's Mary Alice? And he goes, oh, no, I, I, I had a. I, I I had a standing order at the florist for, for Mary Alice. He was such a good husband. He made sure he never forgot Valentine's Day and had a standing order at the florist. You think my impressions are bad? Yeah. I I I, I forgot I had an order at the florist. Uh, I forgot. To- That's not an impression. It's an interpretation. Oh, silly me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a standing order at the florist. And then... Um, she sees a picture of Mary Alice and Paul and he goes, Oh, that's Angela. And he's like, "Uh Oh, and she knows Mary Alice from Utah as Angela. And in Paul's mind now, he's probably like, Oh my God, I have to kill her now. I like that. We got the Angela reference called back in the scene right before this, because if we had just come into the Felicia and Paul scene and Felicia goes, Oh, that's Angela. It was so easy to forget that that was something that happened. And so yeah. it's a good thing they just kind of reminded us before reminding us again. They did this a lot. Like they gave us a lot of information without it being expository. I, I'll get to that later too. But like there, there was a whole point with Mike where they're like explaining backstory without. Because sometimes two characters can be talking and it seems like they're like. It's too obvious that the, what they're trying to explain to the audience. And we don't get yeah, that. Yeah, totally time. agree. Totally agree. Then we see Gabby on the phone with her modeling agent and she's complaining about why she left the boat show and she's like, just get me another job. And behind her, Yao Lin is cleaning the floor 
And Yaolin has to get a little sassy with Gabby because Gabby is being really mean for no reason. Yeah, so be- being so mean, but Yaolin bites back. And she's like, you only have your beauty one day. It's going to go. And Gabby goes, you're so fired. And she goes, ha, of course I am. Also, where's Carlos? Because we see him in the opening and closing monologue contributing absolutely nothing. Right. Just like in the last episode, we barely saw him. He was in like right. one scene of the, the montage. He's on house arrest. Wouldn't he hear them fighting? Also, like Ricardo Chavira was on the, the call sheet. Ricardo Chavira? Why didn't they just give him lines and be like, Gabby, I can't believe you fired Yaolin. I will say, looking back at my notes, this episode felt kind of filler, even though we learned a little bit more. Yeah, I, I, I get that. But I think that, again, that's just how TV shows were. They were fun filler storylines, and it also really pushed the season forward, too. Like, everything with Mary Alice and Paul felt like it advanced a little bit. But, for instance, mm-hmm. in the next scene, we see Susan and Mike, and they're celebrating their valentine's day daytime together and susan makes mike this card and i wrote that all of susan's talent goes into drawing and not writing because she completely illustrates the card herself and then the inside just says dear mike be mine love susan (laughs) that's it (laughs) there's no substance to it she's obsessed with this man and had nothing to say honestly you know what i get it because i'm really (laughs) I'm really bad at writing cards I don't like doing it I don't know why but I can't like for a happy birthday card I'm always just like happy birthday I think we've established that your creative talents are not of the visual art kind because you're not very crafty like we saw with the bracelets but then you make up for it in other areas it's true yeah exactly I have other talents and being crafty (laughs) and um, writing nice things that people are not one of them. So then they're sitting there and Lynette's kids are being obnoxious and Susan's kind of judging them. Lynette can't keep control of them. And then Mike is an amazing, amazing dad. And he goes and he gets the kids and he's like, you guys need to listen to your mom. And they're like, okay, Mike. And it's just such a little like, oh. I don't want to get too on a soapbox right now but because i work with kids i've noticed that there tends to be less respect to someone like me and then if a man comes into the room or like a man tells them to do something they do it no well the patriarchy's just ingrained in us since as kids to not respect women talking to you but something i noticed about that scene in particular is that the last episode right we had seen that parker had to shave his head because of the bubble gum and it grew quite mm-hmm. a bit like it it looks like he has several inches of hair in this scene and then the next time we see him it's gone again <laughs> i did notice it it was a little uneven <laughs> yeah i was like where where was the script supervisor on this maybe maybe they uh did post they, they oh, reshot some yeah, stuff. Maybe, maybe there's yeah. some reshoots. But then Mike also, he's like, wow, I love kids. I can't wait to have some of my own. And Susan's like, oh. And then she falls because she's, she's so quirky. quirky. <laughs> and then we get to Lynette. She is threatening to whip all of her kids. And she's like, when she put all the weapons out. I was like, she's going to hit them? 
Yeah. And she was like, either I'm going to hit you or you're going to write letters to Mrs. McCluskey. And they're like, oh, okay, give me the pen. Give me the pen, mom. Please, 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 please. And she's like, okay, here's the pen. And then she goes, do you guys know what psychological warfare means? And they're like, no. And she goes, sucks for you. It's about high time she did something to actually instill a bit of fear into them. Because I have to wonder why no tactic she has tried thus far has gotten them to behave. Right? And also Susan made a comment too. She was like, I really hope Lynette gets a new nanny soon. So the writers were kind of adding that in to be like, okay, we can't forget about the fact that Lynette needs to find a new nanny, but she's never right. going to. Right. Then in the next scene, we see Brie with her therapist, Dr. Goldfine, and she's discussing dinner parties and being a wasp. And that's why life is filled with repression and denial. And he's trying to encourage her to go about her repairing her relationship with Rex in a, in a healthier way. But she's like, mm, we don't do that. <laughs> In the last episode, she was like, I, I never want to get back with that evil man. Like, he was horrible to me. But now, all of a sudden, she's flipped. and That really bothered me. It looks like somebody, somebody new wrote this episode. I don't think they watched the last one. Yeah, because it just doesn't make any sense how she was so adamant that she was going to take him for everything he was worth. And now she's, like, trying to mm -hmm. work on things again. She spent the first several episodes, like, the first half of this season or the first half of what we've seen so far, trying to repair this relationship, realizing it doesn't work, and, and having that character development. So to see her have this major step back is really annoying. Exactly. And it's just, it's three steps back for her to forward the story, right. if that makes sense. Like she has to regress to get better. Right. But it's deeply, deeply saddening. Then Gabby goes to a mattress store to model. And I'm pretty sure that is the same mattress store they use in Glee. And I'm it has to be in the valley somewhere. And we're going to find it. And we have to take it. Okay. Care. I'm sure it can't be that difficult to find. We have the power of Google at our fingertips. I know. We'll find it immediately. Um, so she gets there and it's just like a miserable job. Um, she has the D storyline this, this episode. She has a miserable time at the mattress store because it's not even a specific shoot. It's just that they want her to lay on the mattresses in lingerie and make it seem like these, I think his line was these mattresses aren't just for sleeping, which is just such a weird, icky way to advertise your product. Sex sells. That's what my mom always used to tell me. So McCluskey then barges into Lynette's house and she, <laughs> and she stomps, stomps, stomps upstairs looking for her clock. <laughs> and, and McCluskey's ransacking the boys' rooms. Your little criminal stole my clock. And Lynette's like, oh, they would never do that. You sly dog. My kids may be kleptos. You sly dog. They're never going <laughs> to break into your house. And she goes, they did that. She goes, no, they didn't. And then, and then Lynette says something that you guys don't realize is so iconic, but it is. She goes, get out of my house. Get out of my house. <laughs> get out of my house. <laughs> and last week, uh, summer... I posted it on our Instagram, but she was killing a cockroach in the middle of our reporting. And I'm going to put it on our uh, photo dump because I have 
video proof of Summer going, get out of my house, get out of my house. <laughs> okay, I would like to comment on that, please. Yes, please say, say. I have a huge fear of cockroaches. And so seeing one in my home, the one night that my cat wasn't home in the house with me was so jarring. And I was trying to get it to leave my apartment, like go out the door. So at least mm -hmm. I wouldn't have to kill it. And that's a whole ordeal. As you'll see in the video, killing a cockroach is such an ordeal because you have to make sure everything goes out immediately and you have to clean the floor in case they leave their roach juices behind. And so I thought it would be a wise thing to do to scream at the roach until it scurried out the door. I'm sure it speaks English, so it should have listened. <laughs> I wasn't able to get it out the door. I did end up killing it. I don't know if that made it into the last episode, but it, it worked out. I was just really disappointed that my booming voice yelling at it to get out didn't do the job. Because you're not supposed to crush them because it releases like a scent for other cockroaches to be like, must save. Like, you know, in SpongeBob, when they, the bucket hats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the bucket hats are going to the, um, oh my God, the, clum, the chum bucket. The, the clum bucket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I picture. It's like, they're like, yeah. So what I typically do when I have to kill a roach is um i'll put like which is how often christy not often anymore actually never often i rarely had a roach problem never often <laughs> <laughs> never often i have not seen a roach in my apartment since i moved to los angeles um but every so often i'd see one in new york city and i would put like a bowl on top of it or a cup and i would just leave it for it to die and then in a few weeks, it would just be like decayed. A few weeks? I just, I would leave, I literally, I would leave it in a bowl right there, not touch it. And, um, and then my dad would come and be like, hey, what's this bowl doing on the floor? And he'd pick it up and there would be like remnants of a roach under it. Happy Halloween, kids. I feel like I'm going to throw up. <laughs> The way that you're actually supposed to do it is, Joe taught me this, my former roommate, you take a book with a cover. So like a, if it's a book with a cover on it that you can remove, I know, <laughs> you <laughs> slam the roach with that and then you take off the cover and you throw that out immediately. I did that, except um, I threw out the whole book because at that point I didn't care. I just wanted it gone. Just because somebody does something a certain way doesn't mean it's correct. No, but he told me that's how you do it. I, specifically to kill something with a book and then throw away the book. Well, throw away the cover of the book. But why does it have to be a book cover? Why can't it be, you know, something that you don't, like something maybe more disposable? I don't know. I think um, letting it slowly die is a little bit better, but. We are going to put up a poll on our Instagram and we want you to vote and tell us which method of killing roaches is more effective. Are you team book cover or team let it die under a bowl for six weeks? You can comment your thoughts 
And we look forward to hopefully reading them out on the next episode. Or if you have a third way, let us know. <laughs> yeah, please, please let us know. <laughs> then we see Bree and Rex talking. And of course, he's being awful as usual. Bree is like, I can't pretend that this affair didn't upset me. And she really wants to know what Rex's deep, dark secret is that the therapist also knows, but he won't tell her. And of course, the scene ends with Rex finally coming out and saying it. I like to be dominated. And Bree is just so confused. Yeah, and she's like, what the hell did your mother do to you? <laughs> Which is honestly a fair question, I'd say. But it's just so awkward when they're sitting there and watching porn together. People, I, I honestly, I think people who are so stuck up like that in real life, I feel like they're the freakiest one. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know? So it kind of makes sense. Yeah, and then, of course, Bree slaps him, and Rex is too stunned to speak. It was so satisfying when when she slapped him. I was like, finally, I've been waiting for this, but, like, he probably liked it. I never want to give that man what he wants. Which is really upsetting. Like, at first, I was like, period, Bree, like, you slapped him, but then I'm like, mm, he was probably like, I want to do it again. <laughs> and speaking of what mm -hmm. men want, in the next scene, Susan immediately says... Mike wants babies. And once again, she's trauma dumping on Julie. It's like, <laughs> why can't you go tell, like, your adult friends about this? Like, this is something you should call Lynette. Yes, call, call your friends. Call Gabby. Call your friends. Do not go to your age-unidentified daughter <laughs> and be like, oh, my God. Like, he wants kids. And she even, she was like, being a single mom's hard. Being a mom's hard. And she goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> Poor Ju Julie. But Mary Alice tells us that children were the last thing on Mike's mind because we see him going around to different people's houses and then breaking into one and going through the house owner's stuff. You know, it's a little bit unclear what he was doing. Like, they don't really un describe, like, why he's just breaking into a random house, why he's, like, going from house to house. Like, they, he, Mary Alice just says he's on a mission but doesn't really say, like, we know he's looking for Deirdre, but... How are you going to find her? You're not going to find her in these houses. So anyway, this random old guy shoots him. Like, just goes bang, 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 bang. And then he gets Mike in the in the torso. And then when they're chatting, like, we learn that um, the guy's name, the old man who we've been calling Daddy Mafia Boss, Deirdre's dad, is named Noah. I think I actually prefer Daddy Mafia Boss. It's more creative. I do, too. So Susan calls while Mike is getting stitched up by his unauthorized doctor friend and she's like hey I'm coming over I really need to talk to you because she's still flipping out about this baby thing that honestly Mike is not the one harping on she is <laughs> literally like he does not care he's just trying to figure out about Deirdre who we find out grew up rich but was a pretty messed up so drugs I guess and yeah so Susan's like having a one-way battle and um Oh, it was just so cute when he go when she goes, okay, like I guess I can wait till tomorrow. And he goes, Are you counting on him? I love him. Speaking of battles, we see Lynette and Mrs. McCluskey have a bit of a standoff in the street. Now Lynette and Tom are standing at their car, they're unloading groceries, and one of Lynette's kids has left his bike in the street. And Mrs. McCluskey is like, Can you move that? 
And Lynette's like, you need to say please. So Mrs. McCluskey whips around, does a little K turn and drives right over the bike. And you know what? Team Mrs. McCluskey, because her house has been broken into so many times by these kids. And Lynette is just bullying her for being old. Yeah, Lynette has no ground to stand on in this situation. No, it's so mean. So I'm glad she ran over the bike. And even Tom is like, oh, my God, like, you can't act this way. Or he's like, what? love thy neighbor. She's like, whoever said love thy neighbor didn't live next to Karen McCluskey. Maybe Jesus did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God knows she's old enough for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then Lynette eggs the car. Lynette eggs the car and, and, eggs, and eggs the woman. <laughs> and eggs the woman. Eggs Mrs. McCluskey right in the forehead. That's so mean. This is elder abuse. It really is. Like, she could have had the cops called on her for that. It really is. Like, she could have had the cops called on her for that. And she very well should have been. Then Gabby is back at the mattress store, and she puts a sign that says, please don't talk to the model because she was getting harassed last time. And then she argues with the guy. He goes, you think you're better than me because I sell mattresses? She's low-key like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, I think I'm better than everybody. It really is the D story now that you mention it. I feel like I didn't even notice because I felt like this was a filler episode anyway. But my goodness, she does have the D story. Yeah, like nothing, nothing interesting is going on with her. So then Tom goes up to Lynette, who's calling the insurance company, probably because uh, McCluskey's going to sue. And Tom comes up and he's like, hey, you need to see something. And they go to the boys' playhouse out back, and it's filled with things from all over the neighborhood that they stole, including Mrs. McCluskey's clock. Then we get another little peek into the Mary Alice mystery. We see Felicia looking back at a picture of herself and then several other nurses. And on the very end is Mary Alice back when they were working together in Utah. Mm-hmm. So she has proof because Mrs. McCluskey kept everything. Mrs. McCluskey? Or no, sorry, not Mrs. McCluskey <laughs> and Martha Hoover. Yeah, so then Gabby's shopping to cure her depression and then she gets a job there. I don't know what the time frame is of her getting a job there because everything else is kind of happening in the same we day. We didn't say where there is. I said she was shopping. Yeah, do you know where she is? At the makeup store. She was shopping at the makeup store. And then she gets a job there and it kind of looks like it's immediate because every all the other storylines are happening within the same day. Right. She must have done this pretty impulsively. And then we see her working behind the counter. She's in her cute little pink getup, which I actually thought was a super cute uniform. And Yao Lin comes up to the makeup counter. And I think Hannah said it best. She was sitting right next to me when she goes, uh-oh, who's serving who? <laughs> <laughs> And I am team Yao Lin. Don't be mean to your employees like that. Or the people who mix your medicine. <laughs> the people who mix your medicine and deal with chemicals in your house. Yep. Yep. Come on, Gabrielle. Yao Lin could have pulled a little Ridiculous. bleach pneumonia moment and she chose not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gabby's lucky. And Gabby, she's talking about manifesting. She's like, I've gotten everything in my life because I believed I could do it, blah, blah, blah. I was like, go off, sister. Um, then we get back to Mike and Susan. They're going to their Valentine's Day dinner. Susan looks gorgeous. Hannah wanted us to say that Susan is eating. And she just looks so beautiful in her like skimpy little dress. 
And of course, like some guy is like under the table fixing whatever. And of course, Susan causes a little commotion, food goes flying, and an old lady falls into Mike which makes stitches come out and he's profusely bleeding at the table. This is really the worst way they could have started off their dinner date. I know, but he's so sweet because he's like, oh my God, I don't want to ruin the date because I love Susan so much. So, I know. So he's just like suffering in silence while she's like, I just heard what you said about kids and I just want you to know that like, I really don't want to have kids, blah, blah, blah. And then he's just like, I can't do this anymore. So he's like, I I have to go. But it's just so funny as he's like kind of like leaving and she doesn't realize what's happening yet. She goes, what? You didn't even try to talk me into anything. You could talk me into anything. I'll have kids. I'll have kids. <laughs> She's just so down bad for him. Not that I blame her, but I just feel like they are the epitome of the miscommunication trope in romance. And it that is my least favorite trope. Yes. It drives me absolutely bananas. Yeah. It's going on a little bit too long yeah. at this point. It's like we've had enough. It's worse than a book, though, I'll say. Yeah, I agree with that. And then we see Lynette and Tom having their Valentine's Day dinner. Obviously, Tom had to throw something together at the last minute because he doesn't care enough about his wife to really pay attention to what day it is. And I thought he pulled it together very nicely. They couldn't go anywhere. They didn't have a nanny. I guess so. It's amazing they were able to get 15 minutes alone together without the kids. That's true. Maybe they chloroformed them or something. I wrote down that Lynette is being super stubborn, but she looks really, really pretty in this scene. She looks gorgeous. She also is eating. Yeah, so that's when Tom is like, listen, you have to be nice to Mrs. McCluskey. Like, the way you're treating her is not okay. So then we see Bree and Rex together in their bed. He goes into the closet, and he is trying to... What's the phrase? Get Bree into his desires his game perhaps you could call it and she's she's not catching on super quickly he's just so icky I don't want to imagine him doing any of this and he said he was like lately I've been doing this which is such a slap in the face because he's basically talking about Maisie and the affair he was having he's like oh this is what I've been doing it's like you didn't have to say that I can't believe Bree didn't say anything I know It it really makes me question who was writing these scenes. (laughs) No offense. Then Susan and Mike go to the hospital. And she's like sitting outside hoping he's okay. And she overhears doctors being like, that was a really weird story. Like there's no way that that wound was self-inflicted. So Susan's a little like weirded out by Mike right now. She's kind of getting the ick, which makes me really upset. She goes in to see him and he loves her so much. And he's like, hey, I heard what you said, by the way. And he said, I don't care if I never have kids. I just want to be with you. And she's like, oh, Mike's okay. skin looks amazing as he's laying there in the hospital bed. I don't know what they did to him or if James Denton was just on his skincare routine, but he looks great. He always looks great. I don't know why you're shocked. That's true. And then the police go in to question him and she's like, mm. Next up, we see Lynette bringing her evil little boys over to Mrs. McCluskey's house. And this is a little bit of an awkward moment because she invites the boys to come in and she's like, well, Lynette, do you have anything to say? And Lynette's like, nope, I'm just going to wait out here. So we can see she's still being pretty stubborn. 
she just will not apologize for the life of her. And it's like, Lynette, you did something wrong. You were wrong. Just apologize. What's the problem? I'm shocked she's acting this way. I know. I feel like we haven't seen her be this. I feel like stubborn is the only word that I'm thinking of, but we haven't seen her act this immature this thus far. Maybe she's regressing because to her, like Mrs. McCluskey is like more of an adult than she is. So now she's oh. acting like the kid. Yeah. That's a really interesting I, theory. Right? I love being a psychologist. So the boys give her back the clock. And then we learn a little bit more about Mrs. McCluskey. Yes. She's like, all right, kids, make with the apology. She's telling them that stealing is wrong. The problem I have is that it, it almost doesn't matter who the source is. I feel like these kids are past a certain threshold, like a point of no return where they just don't care about any authority and nothing is going to get through to them. It's, it's wild. But I think the biggest thing to point out, it's wild, but yeah, they're just like, they, these kids are rabid and just need to be sent off to boarding school at this point. Like these are rabid you are animals. Right, and you should say they it louder and you should only say listen to Mike Delfino. Mike, Del Nanny Mike, he needs to be the Manny. I'd listen to him too, though. I'd be like, okay, yeah, I mean, I'll do whatever Mike Delfino tells me to do. So, like, I get it. So, Mrs. McCluskey tells the boys about her son, and we learned that her son died when he was about 12 years old. And the kids are asking questions that, you know, anyone with a frontal lobe knows you just don't really ask or you don't pry about. And they're like, well, how did it happen? And she tells them that he was sick. And that's all we kind of learn about him. And also, it's like, Lynette doesn't know about this, obviously, but she thinks McCluskey's just this mean, grouchy old lady. And she just, she lost her kid. Like, that's going to darken She's you. She's been through a lot. She has. And Lynette does not have the decency to ask her anything about her life. She just thinks she's this mean, grouchy, grouchy old woman with, with dementia. Right. She doesn't bother to get to know And her. I love Miss McCluskey. Yeah, and she keeps calling these kids the little criminals, and it takes me out every single time. <gasps> Summer. You know how we needed a name for our listeners? Yeah. Is it little criminals? I think. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Us opening the next episode with, hey, little criminals. No, I think we have to call them little criminals because Desperate Housewives super fans is so long to say and little <laughs> criminals just rolls off the tongue. Okay, here's the thing. I think we need to do a poll, a second poll on our Instagram. Desperate Housewives super fans versus little criminals. Little criminals, Desperate Housewives super fans, or like a third option a that third you guys option. want. <laughs> <laughs> because I would love to come... Hey, little criminals. And then that's like such like little lore. People are like, oh my God, I love this podcast. We're called the little criminals. And people are going to be like, why? And it's like just a super niche room. <laughs> like little monsters. <laughs> In the next so scene. <laughs> so, so little criminals, do you remember when, <laughs> when Susan and Lynette had their conversation and Lynette gives Susan a handkerchief of stuff that, Peter Parker, Piper, Prester, and and Pickens <laughs> found <laughs> in Mike's. Peter, Paul, and Mary. <laughs> they they find it in, in Mike's home when they go through his stuff. I guess Paul had put Martha's stuff in the drawer. Um, but when the little criminals were going through Mike's belongings, they found Not Martha's you guys. jewelry. 
and it makes it seem like Mike did it, and Susan is like, what does this mean? And Lynette's like, I don't know. So it's got me thinking, because you know how last week we were all about Mike and Paul? Or, I'm sorry. Wow, that's different fanfic. <laughs> Mike and Paul raising Zach together. <laughs> no, Zach. wait a minute. No. Add it to the list. Okay, we were all about Mike and we were all about Paul and Susan last week, right? And we we felt a, we felt electricity between them. And then a few episodes ago, we were like, why out of everybody on the lane, why did Paul choose Mike to frame? Do we think maybe he's secretly in love with Susan? Ooh, it's I starting like to make that. sense why he has beef with him. Because when Mary Alice died, Paul was probably like, oh my God, I love Mary Alice, but like I always had a thing for the quirky girl over there. And then Aww. and then Mike swoops in at the funeral. So he had beef from day one. Yeah, I think yes. all of the pieces are coming together. And that's why he specifically goes after Susan like in season seven. Because yeah. he like is filled with vitriol that he never ha- got to have her. Headcanon accepted at this point. Yeah. In another life, I would be a girl. But also, Mike's fingerprints are just not on the jewelry. Right. So. But now Susan's are. <laughs> <laughs> Susan's yeah, touching so everything. Stupid. Well, she <laughs> has to turn it in then. Um, and then that's kind of the end of the episode. No, there's more. What else happens? Did you not watch the last five minutes of the episode? I did, but my last two notes are um, Carlos contributed nothing again and, and Paul's trying to be a good neighbor. Okay, so we see Gabby coming home. We see Brie taking the handcuffs out of the dishwasher. She wants to make sure they're nice and sanitary for whatever she's about to do. Paul just kind of looks at Felicia and waves and there's something there we know. And then we see Mrs. McCluskey just gazing at the photo of her son. And of course the last shot is Susan looking out at Mike's house and sort of that inner panic that's going on in her body. How does it feel? How does it feel to be the only one who knows what happens in the last five minutes? Feels pretty good. Guys, this is so glitchy today. We're so sorry. A, a dark spirit. I need to sage my apartment because something bad is happening to our my tech. Okay, well, little criminals slash desperate housewives fans, thank you so much for listening. We will be back by coastal next week. Just and you until wait. next time. Just you wait. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> Please don't. Just um, you worry. <laughs> okay, your Lynn Manuel Miranda is not bad. Are you kidding? <laughs> Do it again. Do it again. Just you worry. <laughs> Say something else. Go, I'm not throwing away my shot. And I am not throwing away my shot. I'm not throwing away my shot. I think you found your your impression. <laughs> He's my Adina. <laughs> That's your Adina. Oh my god. That's crazy. Oh, also happy 20th anniversary um of Wicked. <laughs> <laughs> hey Wicked Super. <laughs> <laughs> this is 
That's a wicked podcast. <laughs> We're gonna pivot real quick and cast the Desperate Housewives characters in Wicked. So starting with Piero, <gasps> played by Mike Delfino. Oh my god. Susan Alphaba. Wait, it's kind of switched a little bit. Susan Alphaba Glinda is Edie. I feel like I don't know about Mm, I don't know. I don't know who I would cast. Who would you cast as Alphaba? I feel like Gabby would be... Okay, they're all doing a school play. Relationships don't matter. Who would you cast? Okay, so Gabby would be Glinda, I think, because of the aesthetic. Okay. And then I think Susan could do Alphaba, but I could also see Lynette doing Alphaba. Okay. Interesting. Fiero Mike is, is definitely Mike Fiero. Oh, my God. Um... Paul can play Spongebob. You mean Bach? Yeah. I feel like John Rowland has to be Bach. (gasps) (laughs) Or Zach. The way that Bach could be like almost any of the men. (laughs) No, it would have to be John because it would be funny because he goes, because you are so beautiful. Oh, Bach. I think you're wonderful. But who plays the girl in the chair? Nessa? <laughs> Nessa Rose Throp? Um, I feel like Susan would be a good Nessa. Susan's a good Nessa, yeah. For sure. Edie could actually body Alphaba. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. And uh, the wizard... I mean, it's either uh, Daddy Mafia Boss. (laughs) I would pay to see Mark Moses play the wizard. I would think it would be funny. Okay, once the strike is over, we're going to have to, we have to, we have to get Mark Moses. Like, I think he can definitely sing. We have to get him on on Broadway. I think he can definitely sing is a crazy sentence. (laughs) (laughs) I know, like, just, just, just trust, just trust. He can definitely sing. Okay, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for Defying Gravity with us. Until next time, I'm Christy Gomez. I'm Summer Moran. And this is... We're going to tell. (laughs) We're going to tell. We're going to We know tell. what you did. Okay, but you didn't say this is we know what you did. Oh, you're right. I'm not saying it. That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> so this is we know what you did. It makes <laughs> us sick. We Goodbye, everybody. Stay wicked.